for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Sunita and myself. Like, uh, we want to thank all of us here uh, for welcoming us here. I think like we are here for the first time and then to uh, bring God's word. It's a privilege. I want to thank uh, Richard and Graham also, uh, the leadership team here for inviting us here, and it's a privilege. Uh, we feel at home here to worship God and just to get to meet uh, uh, Johnny Dyer and to know that like he, wo- he had preached in Bombay Baptist Church. Uh, we just say that we are blessed uh, and we stand here because there have been leaders like him who've gone ahead of us and laid a good foundation uh, for the kingdom of God in that place. And sometimes today, even as we uh, you know, do the work over there, you know, we are blessed because there are leaders who have gone ahead of us and toiled and done good things and they have passed on uh, the heritage to us. So we stand blessed. You know, and uh, thank you, uh, Johnny. And uh, thank you, Richard, for having us over here. Uh, today, uh, my, the topic that's been given to me is uh, how should we pray for one another? You know, I realize that many times... Um, when God gives you, or like many times when you know that there are some areas in your life that you need to grow into, then God gives you that topic to preach. Like, you know, so, so it's something, <laughs> so, you know, so I want to just say that like, you know, I would share on this topic, not as an expert, uh, but as uh, someone like who's still growing in this aspect of prayer, you know, and uh, so, and I'm glad uh, that we as a church here are looking at this aspect of prayer and we are having a a prayer series. I remember, uh, you know, as I'm still growing, I remember that as a new believer, uh, when I got attached to the Bombay Baptist Church, uh, we were part of one satellite church and we would, uh, we would travel to the central church where we are right now and staying there and and living there. Uh, So we would travel to the central church, which is about 25 kilometers for a once in a month combined prayer meeting. Like, you know, and so I was a new believer and uh, we would be going for these meetings. And so prayer is not something that is really you know, exciting that you look forward to you know, and uh, to pray for all these points and so many things. I mean, you would enjoy going for a worship conference or a worship meeting like, you know, or, or like a conference where you're listening and all that. Like, you know. But my pastor was very keen that we would all go, young people would go for the way. So we would make this over there, you know, so we'd go there. And so one thing that would really trouble me would be like, we would all be required to break into pairs or groups of four, like, you know, and then uh, you had to pray with those people. And, you know, for me, like, you know, I can pray when I'm in my closet or my room, but to pray with two or three people, like, you know, and you're thinking you'll go blank, like, you know, and you're thinking what to pray, uh, you know, and uh, you're thinking about verses. And uh, so that would make me nervous. Uh, but, and the worst thing is that if you were to pair up with a pastor, finish. <laughs> all your scripture verses will go out of the window, like all your vocabulary, your grammar and everything, like, you know, will go out. And I'll be nervous. And, and I'll, as I'm going to that place, I'll be praying, Lord, don't put me with a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you, uh, you know, I began with that fear and sometimes I'll try and wriggle out of those combined prayer meetings, but my pastor wouldn't let me do that, like, you know, and after every meeting, like, he'll call me, you know, and ask me, how is it? Like, but I, we remember, while we would come back after the prayer meeting, we'd have to take a train back to our place, 
And when we would be in that train, you know, we would sing songs of worship in that train. You know? and, and some of us, after those songs of worship, would stand up you know, and give a testimony to all those people who were there in the train. You know? and, uh, uh, or, or some of us would share God's word in a sense like in five minutes, ten minutes that we would have. And we would come back really excited. Like, you know? And so for me, in a sense, that prayer meeting you know, did something to my faith. No? Did something to my confidence. Uh, uh, did something, you know, that opened up something in God for me you know, to know that prayer changes lives. You know? Prayer changes my spirit. Prayer helps me to know who God is and what God wants to do uh, in the world of His. You know? so, so those were my initial experiences of prayer and that has still remained with me. Still, I would say I'm still growing. And when my wife would ask me, can we pray? So I'm tempted to say, a little bit later. Like, <laughs> you know? So I think that tendency is only with a few men. Like, no, no. <laughs> no when it comes to prayer, then you know, we think, oh, later. So I'm still growing in this aspect of prayer. But I want to say that I've been touched by God uh, to experience what prayer can do in our lives. No? So, so today our text, you know, the text that's been given to me is from Ephesians 3, verse 14 uh, to 19. I'll just read that. Or can we just read this together at the count of three? One, two, three. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power, through His Spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You know, I feel that in this uh, in these verses, I mean, it's such a rich prayer, you know, such an amazing uh, prayer. And I was just thinking that it's not about some physical needs. It's not about some aspirations and ambitions and things that you want to do. But these are some deeper things that, that Apostle Paul is saying that we need to have and the church in Ephesians uh, need to have. Uh, so actually... Uh, when I looked at this particular uh, uh, verse and when I looked at Ephesians chapter 3, you know, I felt like Paul is also saying something that, you know, he's saying we need to pray this. And in the beginning of the chapter, he says, and as we pray this, our desire is that the people in Ephesus would know the mystery of the gospel. Like, you know, as we pray this, they will know the real gospel. And what is the real gospel about? And so I put that verse. If you look at Ephesians chapter uh, 3 and uh, verse 6, if you look at that, it says, The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise, uh, in, the promise in Christ Jesus. Saying that, that we're praying this so that this goal will be accomplished that they would know the gospel. And I, and I was so blessed to see all the elements of this gospel. 
and the gospel says that you know one people the first aspect that we see in this particular verse is that one people because we say that they would be heirs together with Israel that that we would know that there is no Jew Gentile Greek you know or anyone we are all together we are one in him we are one people in him you know that is the gospel the second aspect he says that we are one family you know we one family you know the goal uh, is that we would to realize that we're one family we're together we're a community we're not isolated okay and in community like we bear with one another we encourage one another we find strength in one another god has put us in this community and lastly uh, one god that is all these blessings are only in christ jesus hallelujah you know only in Christ Jesus and no one else we are blessed we have this inheritance in Christ Jesus so so paul is saying that they would know and we would know this gospel which is about one people no bias you know no prejudice no distinction we are one people we are one family in god we are one community in god that we would know that and also that all these best blessings are true all these promises are true in Christ Jesus alone i remember about a few uh, some years back we had a f- we had one person coming from nepal from a non christian background you know and uh, he was a black belt karate champion like you know so he so he was into karate like you know but he came to bombay and uh, he felt very lonely you know he used to run these academies but still he didn't have friends there so he came to bombay uh, was looking for for work but he felt very lonely you know, no friends so i was thinking like if you are a black belt karate it's natural you won't have many friends like <laughs> you know, because yeah you're constantly thinking who's there against me or like you know you know what is the other person saying you know? and so he came to church but the first sunday that he came to church somebody befriended him you know somebody spoke to him and that that particular wednesday we had a bible study running in our house a cell group running in our house that friend brought him to the bible study and i saw this person his name is gyan he comes from priestly family gyan lama so from the lama family uh, and so he, and, I, and we saw the hunger in his face and we had one member of our house group our cell group you know who's who who's always keen to talk to people and lead people to Christ we finished the cell meeting and i told this friend of ours michael michael could you just talk to gyan in in our guest room and share the gospel and about 15 minutes gyan came back receiving the lord jesus christ into his life he was born again you know in our living room in our guest room and he was so hungry for god he was so hungry he uh and after receiving christ like he grew in the church uh, he had not even done his graduation he finished his graduation in in bombay he found a job with a christian ngo uh he uh, enrolled for our bible college you know he did his bible college and after uh, doing his bible college he got married to one of the girls in our church uh, you know and then uh he pastored our evening service for 2 years you know? and and uh, now it's been about 8 years 8 years back like he said i want to go back to nepal and bring god's word to my people in that place so for the last 8 years he's there and he's planted an english church over there, over there with about 30 people and in those 30 people there are about 10 nationalities worshiping in that small community and so as i was just 
reading this verse and I was just remembering the way God touches people. For, for this man, you know, uh, Gyan, to know that he's also chosen. You know, he's one. And, and to know that God connected him to this one family. And to know that all his promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus alone. And the way God touches us, changes us, and enables us to be a blessing to people around us and the nations that are there around us. And that is true. And, uh, and that's what, like Paul is saying, we need to pray for ourselves also. I want to share three aspects of this prayer, uh, that the verses that we read. Uh, the first aspect is that what Paul is saying is that our hearts would experience his rulership. Our hearts would experience his rulership. That's the first aspect of, the, of those verses that we read in Ephesians 3, Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. Three aspects we want to look at. The first thing is our hearts would experience uh, his rulership. What Paul is saying is that, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay, I, I feel... That uh, So Paul is saying uh, that we need to pray that Christ would dwell in our hearts. Uh, I feel that as we live our lives in this world, there is a war for our hearts. There's a war for our hearts. And Paul is saying that uh, my desire is that Christ would dwell. And what is that war for our hearts? I've, I've kind of like just put four aspects. One is like our profession. Our profession, you know, a drive, you know, that can rule our hearts. Our work can rule our hearts. A drive to prove ourselves, you know, being ambitious. Now, all that is good, you know, and I'll come to that. All this is good, but like it wants to rule and govern and reign in our hearts, you know. Uh, even for pastors, you know, our ministry can become our worship instead of God becoming our worship. Yeah. Mondays like we have and Monday is my off. Yeah. And even Mondays till half the day I'm on the phone talking to people. And my wife threatens me, I'll take your phone away. Like, you know? <laughs> uh, and so so I've not yet come to that stage of giving her my phone. Like you know so because like you know work. So it's all good. It's all good. But sometimes, you know, that desire becomes, you know, better than our desire for Christ Jesus. Then uh, people, people, a desire to please people, approval of people, fear of man. And that can rule and govern our desires. Possessions, uh, a love for things that will satisfy us, that can rule and govern our lives. Maybe the next iPhone, that will satisfy me. <laughs> or the next gadget. That will make me, make my life comfortable. That's it. Like, I'll be happy if I have that. And, a, and pleasure, and a pleasure, and a, and a pleasure, you know, passion to enjoy life. Now, all these things are good. Uh, our profession, our work, uh, to, to connect to people, to connect to, to have community around us. Uh, possessions for our use is good. Pleasure, uh, uh, you know, to enjoy what God has given is good. But many times these simple desires can become ruling desires in our lives. And so it uh, takes a place in our lives 
which is higher than Christ. And so Paul is saying, in a sense, and now let Christ dwell in your hearts. My prayer is Christ would dwell, Christ would rule, and Christ would reign in our lives. And so only then, and so when Christ dwells, rules, and reigns, all these desires will find its right place. And we'll find, you know, we'll, we'll find ourselves in places where we're fruitful and feel fulfilled in all that we do. I remember Barney Coombs, who's our senior leader, who passed away last October. He, he would always say, we've got a, we've got, we, we are something like a donut. Like, we've got a God-shaped hole in us. And that hole can only be filled by God, Christ Jesus alone, and nothing else. Otherwise, it can ruin and destroy our lives. So, so Paul is saying that he needs to rule and reign in our lives. You know, uh, uh, so I've been serving in the church for the last, uh, this year we'll finish about 20 years. Uh, my wife was working, uh, is still working in a Christian NGO and she does counseling work. Uh, but for the last two years we've been just feeling uh, that she needs to have a little more time. We felt that we both were going on two separate tracks. I'm busy in my work and she's busy in her work, you know, full time working there. And we felt God's saying, you need to have some change. And, but, but in my heart, I was not willing. I was saying, God, I'm serving you. Like, you know, and so why should there be a shift in her work? work? Like, you know, and so God was really speaking to us about her cutting down some work. And, and she's enjoying the work. And so uh, a year and a half back, we went for a conference. And uh, we had a prophetic word. She had a prophetic word saying, you know, there is something very precious that you're carrying. It's like that alabaster jar of perfume. God is saying, drop it. You know, let it go and let the fragrance just fill the place. And we went back from the conference, from that meeting, knowing that God wanted us to take some decision about her work. You know? And so then uh, last year, April, uh, she decided to quit her full-time work and she decided to go uh, uh, work as a consultant for two days. You know? And so that, that kind of made all the difference in terms of like time together, you know, time with children and the family, and time also with people around us. It, it, it has brought so much of peace. But there was a war in my heart. You know, saying, Lord, I am full time. Now you're after my wife. Like, no, why? <laughs> why is that so? But I knew God is after our hearts. And, I, I, and it's, it's not only for people who serve God, but wherever we are and wherever God has placed us, God is after our hearts. That our desire would be for him and him alone. And that's what like Paul is wanting uh, to pray that the people in Ephesians uh, would have and know. The second aspect, our minds would comprehend his love. Our minds would comprehend his love. Verse 17 and 18, it says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. He says, that's the second aspect, that our minds would comprehend his love, that we would know his love, the magnitude of his love. Some of us would have heard this story about uh, the great king uh, Akbar and his, his minister Birbal. You know? And one, one of the days, like Akbar and Birbal, like they were walking together. Birbal was always known 
uh, not to oppose whatever the king said. In a sense, like he was very wise. He was a wise minister. Uh, and so he would challenge uh, his king, Akbar. And so while they both were walking one of the days in the garden, in the palace garden, the, uh, the king, uh, Akbar, he saw a bird feeding uh, its young. Like, you know, the mother, mother feeding its young. And, uh, and, and so the mother was not having the food herself or like, you know, but feeding the, uh, the young. So Akbar looked at the bird and then looked at Birbal and said, the greatest form of love is a mother's love. It's a mother's love. So Birbal looked at Akbar and said, I don't think so. And so he was, he was shocked. So, so Akbar said, can you prove this to me? Can you prove this? And so he said, yes, you come tomorrow you know, to the courtyard and I'll prove this. And so this time Akbar was saying, this time I will win. Like, uh, and so, so they both gathered together and so uh, uh, you know, people were called and they went to a trench. It was like a well which had steps beneath and, they, and uh, uh, you know, the helpers like, brought uh, a, a mother monkey and a newborn monkey you know, that the mother monkey was holding and put like, both these monkeys uh, in the trench. And they started filling water in this trench. Uh -huh. And as the water level went up, you know, the steps were there at a certain level, but still, like, you know, the well was quite high. And as the water level went up, the mother monkey was holding uh, uh, the, the baby monkey. So, you know, earlier, like, it was holding it below, and so it brought it up, okay? And as the water level started going even higher, higher than the stomach, he, uh, the mother monkey brought the, uh, the baby monkey on the shoulder, and so Akbar was looking at Birbal and saying, see? And then now, when it's going up above the shoulder, you know, the mother monkey put the baby monkey on the head and then started going up. And slowly as the water started rising up and started coming to the nose of the mother monkey, they saw an astonishing sight. They, the mother monkey took the baby monkey, put it under its feet and then jumped out of the trench. Immediately. And the baby monkey died over there. And the mother monkey saved uh, its life. Birbal looked at Akbar and said, the greatest form of love is self-love. And that was a lesson. And I think, uh, I know that like for us, it may be a little bit shocking. But when we look deep down into our hearts, there is a tendency also in us. There's a self-protection tendency. There's a self-centered tendency, you know, to, to look after ourselves. Yeah. Even now, like, uh, sometimes like when I'm on the dinner table and the food is the rice is there, reach out for the rice, put it. My wife is saying, will you not look at my plate? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> comes later on. It comes later on. I mean, like, and so, so that's what Paul is saying. But Paul is saying when we look at the cross and the power of the cross, where Jesus gave himself up on the cross, you know, he, he left his heavenly possession, position and everything, name and everything, came down and died on the cross for us, gave himself up for us selflessly. When we look at that cross, when we look at that love, it destroys Every kind of self-centeredness in us. Every, every spirit of self-preservation in us. It destroys that. 
So even when we know Christ, we can sometimes live in a carnal way. And, and Paul is saying, come back. Paul is saying, you know, look at this love. Look at this love. That we may look at the cross. Know that love. The depth and height and width of this amazing love that touches our hearts. And so it breaks our hearts. It makes us a new person every day that we would say no to self-love and we would say yes to love God so that we are free to fulfill the first and the second commandment, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The cross defeats those powers in our hearts and releases us. Nothing else can. Nothing else can. No technique can. No strategy can. No person can do that. Only the cross has the power because we see the ultimate form of selfless love on the cross. And only that can release us and set us free. And that's what, like Paul is saying, that we need to meditate on. And lastly, that our lives that our lives would radiate his maturity. That our lives would radiate his maturity. That's what it says. That's what, that's what it says in verse 19. To know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, all the fullness. That our lives would radiate his maturity. And I, I think in some ways to understand this aspect of having the fullness of God or the maturity of God in our hearts would mean to say that we would have in our minds the things of God and not the things of men. You know, uh, things that are eternal in nature, things that are spiritual in nature, not temporal and carnal and earthly in nature, but things of God. That's what. So we see that uh, verse in Matthew 16, 23, where Jesus, I mean, Peter tells Jesus, that you are the Messiah, son of the living God. And uh, Jesus says, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this, you know, but by my father in heaven. But after that, Jesus says, tells him that I need to die on the cross. And Peter says, no, I won't let you do that. And there Jesus tells Peter, Jesus turned to and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You know? The things of man and not the things of God. And so Paul is saying that we need to have in mind the things of God, eternal things, spiritual things, not earthly and worldly things. But we know that God matured Peter. Because when we read First and Second Peter, you know, it, those are books where Peter has endured suffering and pain and he has written those books. You know? And uh, he's a changed person by now. He has in mind the things of God uh, and uh, not the things of man. And if you just read that 2 Peter 1 verse 5 to 8, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and of self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mature. Being made whole in Christ. And so Peter now is a changed person. I just want to close by just saying this. That 
uh, we keep sending people to plant churches. And so this last October, we sent a couple to Delhi, our capital, to plant a church. We, we have one church which we planted about 10 years back, but we felt in the central part of Delhi, there is a lot of potential and scope. We need to have another church there. So we send them there. And so these two people come from non-Christian homes. The wife was under house arrest when she came to know the Lord Jesus Christ in Mumbai. For two years, she was not allowed to go to church. Okay. And so only after marriage, when they became part of our church, the boy was already part of our church, uh, you know, she could freely worship. And here, God had spoken to them that you need to go to this new place. So, I mean, their family is here in Bombay and they are out there alone and she's expecting like, you know, and she's in a fifth month, sixth month when they went over there. And they, they felt lonely, you know, alone. And, and uh, he was not able to get a job for the last four months. No job. So no work, okay? At least some people to connect to. Pregnant and uh, no money. Uh, so, so when we looked at their situation, you know, uh, so then I felt, Lord, what do we do? I need to do something. I need to do something. But then, like, when we discussed together, we felt we are always trying to save. I mean, it's good to support, and when we were supporting. But always, we want to save. We want to rescue. But many times, God takes people through his journey to mature them. To mature them. And so we would call them up, and we would pray for this couple. You know? Just two weeks back, she delivered a healthy baby girl. Okay? And two days back, I got a call from him, a message from him saying that uh, he's finalized, he's got an offer letter through one company and things are looking up and much better. You know? And sometimes I was thinking, we try to step in and save, but you know, God matures his people. So as we just close uh, this morning, uh, three things in this prayer that our hearts, how should we pray? Uh, you know, our hearts would experience this rulership, that Christ would dwell in our hearts, that our minds would comprehend his love and like our lives would radiate his maturity. As we pray on these lines, you know, we will see the mystery of the gospel being released again and again in our lives and in the lives of people. Amen. Thank you.